excited to be able to share with you guys today. Um, it's a message I feel God's put on my heart. Um, and um, I do believe, you know, the Spirit for me, the Holy Spirit speaks a, a unified message. There's not really confusion. And so uh, I feel like this, this message on my heart ties into the direction where the church has, has been going in, in terms of we've just come off the back of a series of gifts in the Spirit. Um, then Andy um, gives us this prophetic message, being led in the Spirit to do so. Uh, and Aaron challenges us with that preseason training. Um, so hopefully it's it's... Hopefully, by the end of this message, you'll see why it ties together. If not, I've done a terrible job. Um, but um, yeah, before I just get into it, let me just, um, let me just pray quickly. Um, yeah, Father God, I just simply want to pray, nothing of me be left but all of you. Would it be your word speaking to your people, Lord? Would you touch the hearts of your people here today? Amen. So um, today we're looking at the parables. The, the parable I'm looking at is the one of the barren fig tree. Um, so how I'm looking to spend the next 15 minutes is I'm going to give you a preface of this parable from a personal experience of mine, and then we're going to read the parable, then I'm going to look to highlight four points, which um, hopefully are points of reflection that we can hopefully let the Spirit lead us into some kind of response. Um, so... Oh, no. So let me, actually, let me just jump into the preface. So I say preface and not preface. I know some people say that different ways, but I, I like to say preface because I remember pre and face, and I want to prepare my heart before I face the text. And so hopefully that helps you engage with that. So around February time this year, I was blessed enough to, you know, be in a time of corporate worship, a bit like this, but, you know, when, when you guys were in lockdown, I'm so sorry about that, but um, no, it was an amazing time, and, and actually in that moment, um, God really gave me a, a vision, and I don't say that lightly, it's a very vivid vision, and it clearly has stuck with me, um, which is why I want to share it with you. So in this vision, um, basically I was very much in heaven, um, and I knew I was in heaven because all I could hear around me was just the sound of little children laughing and playing, as if if you go to a, a little park and, you know, the playground, and you just hear joy and laughter, and so there was no silence, but there was just that sound. Now, as I looked out, I was in, I guess, an orchard. You know, there was rows and rows of trees, of fruit-producing trees, and I was I was trying to like grasp how big this land was, and I felt a, a, a really strong arm kind of come around my shoulder and embrace me. And as I looked around, it was, it was Jesus. Um, so, I mean, I'm saying this now, and I was really vivid, but I was in tears. I was a mess when this all happened, right? So, as I see Jesus, he kind of embraces me, big smile on his face, and then he runs over to the, to the like, almost skips over to the closest tree and picks a fruit from it. And as he does so, he kind of puts it to my mouth. And I tell you, it's a fruit I've never seen before. The, the best way I can describe it is like it was like an oversized courgette, right? That's the best way I could describe it to you. And I am, um, and he's almost kind of coaxing me into taking a bite. He's just like kind of putting it to my mouth. And so I take a bite and the juices run down my chin and it's super sweet, super juicy. And almost like my eyes open up. As if, I mean, I can tell you right now, you don't need any Class A drugs to get a high because there's those fruits up there in heaven, right? And as my eyes open up, Jesus' eyes open up all the more, and there's this connection of, you know, you're seeing what I want you to see kind of thing. You're getting it. You're getting excited about what I'm excited about. 
And in that moment, I just got this, what God dropped into my heart is, he is so excited to show off the fruit of his garden. And so that's, that, that's what I want you to set the tone of this parable today. He is excited to show off the fruit of his garden. And I don't want to just say that from a personal experience, you know, because, you know, that's neither here nor there. But let's be rooted in Scripture when we consider these things. So in John 15, it says, um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, so it says, I've, I've kind of abbreviated and cut short there. It's a great passage, one of my favorite. But it says, verse 1 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. So you see, he's really excited about us bearing fruit here. I jump to verse 4. It says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And then verse 12, I jump to verse 12. It says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And so in this, I hope you can see that that, that kind of coincide with the vision, and I do believe it's a testament to what I was sharing about, the, the model of the two T's which Andy shared with us. Actually, as we get deeper and we abide in Christ, we become fruitful, and that fruitfulness is not just for our benefit, but it is to love one another, as it says in verse 12. So that's the preface done. Let's get into the actual parable. So let me read it for you guys. So Luke 13, verse 6 to 9, if you do want to turn to it. He says, And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and I can put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Now, in this passage, we could spend days considering the possible symbolic implications. But today, I just want to hone in and focus on the logical implications and the teaching we can take from that. So I've got four points. I'll try and be snappy. Um, So let's go for the first one. So firstly, a man planted a fig tree in a vineyard. I I don't know if you're getting that, but that's just a bit weird, right? I mean, he's messed up here, surely. So why is there a fig tree in a vineyard? Now, I'm no botanist or horticulturist or even a gardener, but I know that a grape and a fig are two different fruits, right? And so... Why are you getting frustrated when, you know, you're not producing figs in a place where the land produces grapes? So I decided to do a little bit of research, and and I found that actually in that time, it was quite common for um, vineyard owners, vine dressers, to plant fig trees on the outskirts of the allotment of the land. And this was done because it was almost a deterrent for the birds to not eat the grapes because they preferred the fruit of the figs because they had larger seeds in them. So with the larger seeds, they would, you know, birds like the seeds, so that's why they ate the fig tree fruit rather than the grapes. So when this, um, when this fig tree was not producing fruit, it was basically just wasting up the nutrients of the soil, but also the birds were still eating the grapes. So it was kind of double hit, hit for the grapes. And I think 
you know, what, what this is telling me is that, you know, the, um, we are the church. If, if this is an image of the church, Jesus wants us to bear good fruit as the fig tree. I think it's a model to say that we, our fruit as a fig is to emphasize the fruit of the vine, is to emphasize the fruit of the grape, which is what we see in John 15 is Jesus. And so what I can say then is by, by doing good, by showing fruitfulness in the spirit, by um, showing love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, we're showing the fruits of the fig tree and all those fruits listed in Galatians 5, but they are for a purpose. In Matthew 5, 16, it says, you know, at the bottom of that says, um, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, so our fruitfulness as the fig is to point to the fruitfulness of the vine, which is Jesus. It is tied together. So the question we have to ask ourselves as a point of reflection is, you know, when we seek to love each other, we're aiming that actually the name of Christ is not compromised, but is emphasized. And so are you producing fruit? Are you putting yourself in positions where actually even the fruit you do produce, is it evident? So that's point one. Let's move on to point two. It says, cut it down, the man says. You see, this, this, this point is not about freeing up the land to plant another tree to bear fruit. It's actually just a way of saying the tree in and of itself, by existing, it is soaking up nutrients in the soil. So just by being and not bearing fruit, it is taking away from the potential growth that the vines could have. Right? So, um, you know, if, I'm pretty convinced by this because if the owner wanted another tree, he wouldn't have just said cut it down. He would have said maybe dig it up or unearth it or like free up the soil. But he just says cut it down, stop it dead in its tracks. So, Maybe, I mean, here's just an example I was thinking of that might help us relate. So let's say, you know, we've got a lot of kids out there now. We've got um, young families, right? So you as a parent of a young family, let's say you've just moved to a new area. Um, You've just moved your child to a different school. Now, more likely than not, your child may struggle with the, you know, adapting that transition period and in that struggle, you know, you, you as a loving parent are going to embrace them, shower them with, with hugs and kisses, and, and get them through that struggle. And you would trust that a process would happen in order to do so. They would mature through it. But now, if I change the scenario and I say to you, in that new school that your child is enrolled in, what if you find out they're getting bullied? You know, they're getting beaten up, they're getting marks and bruises on them every day, and you're seeing that. Now, I know for certain you as a loving parent are going to intervene. I won't go into the details of how some of us might do that, but we know for a fact something will happen to stop that issue arising. Right? And in the same way, in God's, the heart of the Father is to protect the fruit of the vine. So because if we cause harm, there's a difference between being in a place of struggle and being in a place of affliction. And so when harm is actually being caused to the fruit, he says, cut it down, cut it off right now. You know, don't waste time because I'm not going to have these grapes be obliterated because you're not producing fruit. And I think, and if I'm real with myself, you know, sometimes I've put myself in places where, you know, things are opening up now, um, bars and restaurants, and there's a lot of people we've not spent time with, family members, close friends, 
And we may, you know, let's say we go out for a, a few drinks to catch up, and the, the scenario gets ahead of us, and we present ourselves in an unchrist-like manner. All I have done in that moment is given them a, a diluted version of who Jesus is. If that's the Jesus that they come to know by my reflection, I have just harmed the image of Jesus. And so we need to be real with ourselves. Am I going to cut that off? Am I going to be critical with myself and cut that off? Now, I just use that as a practical example, but I'm sure there's maybe scenarios coming to your own mind at the moment. So the question of reflection here is, is there a way that you're doing things, even in your pursuit of fruitfulness, that is actually damaging the image of Christ? Go to the third point, which is uh, timing. Oh, I messed up. Sorry, timing. You see, at first, it would seem that the owner has been very patient. You know, for three years, I've come seeking the fruit of the fig tree, he says. But let's just remind ourselves of the context of, of the time. You see, in Jewish tradition there, I've put up in, in Leviticus 25, it's very clear that you know, the, the, the land worked in cycles of seven years. It was six years of working the land, and then the seventh year was one of rest. So when we really think about it, this, this six-year cycle of hard work, well, we've already waited three years. So we're past the halfway mark now. Now that means, if, if I put it to you in, in simple terms, let's say you invest something financially, and actually you've just been guaranteed a loss of 50% what would you be saying? Like, I need to cut my losses, right? I need to give up. But what's amazing in this is actually we have an, ex- an example of grace from the vine dresser. He says, give it one more year. You know, even though I can make a loss of more than 50%, it would be so good for you to finally bear fruit. And so with this opportunity of grace that we see in this timing, there's a point I think what we're called for is to be self-aware, to be critical, because we don't want to waste time to start asking the question of what do I need to do to fix this? You know, if someone gives me that kind of grace, I want to say, I don't want to waste any time. Let me help you out. Let me be effective for you. So we need to be self-aware, and actually I'd encourage you to be critical. Now, I didn't say to be negative, but... Be real with yourself in the sense of, you know, how many times have you told yourself, I'm going to be fruitful this season, and it just hasn't happened? You know, we have a great opportunity now with the courses coming up soon. Can you get yourself plugged in? Can you actually make a commitment to that? Maybe there's other distractions there. Do you need to get rid of those things and cancel some appointments to say, actually, I'm going to be committed to fruitfulness here? Going back to the church vision that, that model of the two T's. I don't think that's something we can dwell upon for too long. You know, to overstate the obvious, you know, the world is coming up to, to two years almost of living in fear of death simply by being in contact or, or breathing close to someone. You know, the UK is coming up to two years of not being able to, to meet up with friends and families, not being able to celebrate together or mourn together. Watford specifically is probably coming up to two years of people living in isolation and believing the lies of the enemy. You know, telling them that loneliness is just the, the, the new way of life for them. So I would say, actually, for me, in this passage, we're at the critical point. 
we need to take action now. The, the world is in dire need of fruitful Christians. So are you ready to take that up? And fourth and the last point is um, the action required. Now, the action required says this, to dig around it and put manure on it. So let's just consider this in a very logical way. You see, to dig around a tree does two things. You, you, know, you get rid of the old, stale, sucked, dry soil. Right? But in doing so, you expose more of the roots. Now, I don't want you to miss that because I think that's really significant here. If you've not been bearing fruit, actually one of the, 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 the actions that need to be taken is you need to expose what you're rooted in. Because it's not in your DNA, it's what you're rooted in is the issue. If you're a tree, you will bear fruit. But if what you're rooted in is not right, that's what's going to stop you from bearing fruit. So when you expose, will you take the chance to expose what you're rooted in? Will you be real with yourself? You know, will you ask God to dig away that stale, used-up soil that you've sucked dry in order for him to enable you to bear fruit? And the second part is this, it says to put manure on it. Now, some translations of the Bible say fertilizer, but I'll be honest, I don't really like that. Um, I prefer manure and, and because fertilizer for me is, is packaged up, it's synthesized, it's, it's chemical and it's calculated, it's clean. And actually, I think at the time this parable was spoken, I mean, fertilizer only came in the 1700s. So manure is a more accurate representation and in the very PC sense, manure was just simply poop, right? It stinks, it's organic, it's uncomfortable, and actually it's detestable to work with. But let's get into that mindset. Because if we're real with ourselves and we say, God, I haven't been fruitful, but I desperately want to, and actually Scripture tells me I should desire that, then there's a humility that says, I need to expose what I'm rooted in and actually just shove that poop on top. You know, and that's not easy, that means the core of who I think I am, what I think I'm rooted in, not only am I exposing that thing, but I'm going to put the worst and the stinkiest thing I can think of, but I know it's good for me. So, the final re reflection is, are you willing to be exposed to work through the poop in order to bear fruit? So I want to wrap it up with these four things and... I think I've got the four reflections there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out these, these four questions that came from each point. Um, and I want us just to be in a, in a place of silence for a second. I'll read them out, and then I want to pray for the Spirit to minister to us. And um, then I'll, I'll step away and let whoever's next share. So the first question is, are you producing fruit, and is it evident? Number two, is your fruitfulness a benefit to the image of Christ? Number three, are you willing not to waste any more time but to start today? And four, are you willing for God to expose your roots and make you work through the poop in order to bear fruit? Yeah, Father God, we, we thank you that you are a God who is excited for us to bear fruit. 
Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come and, and minister to the hearts of your people right now. I just pray for those questions. Maybe some of us have resonate with one or more or, or, or yeah, one or two or more of those points. Would you come and just do the work that's required in our hearts so that we can bear fruit for your kingdom's sake, that we can bear fruit so the name of Christ is not compromised, but it is emphasized? Would people come to taste of the grape of the vine? Yeah, Holy Spirit, have your way. Amen.